But don't always think that a new saddle is going to be the solution because sometimes it's, you know, it's a matter of getting the horse sound and getting the horse comfortable. And sometimes you can make that happen with the saddle that's, that you have, but it's just getting the right balance and symmetry for that specific saddle on that horse. Mm-hmm. There are so many circumstances where it's not the right situation for them to get a new saddle. So, so it's not necessarily that it's that saddle that's, that's out of whack. Sometimes it's just your horse is asymmetrical, they're uncomfortable. Their asymmetry makes you ride mm-hmm. crooked, mm-hmm. and then it just goes downhill from there. But the thing is, I constantly say to people, this is not the time for you. Because people will call me out and say, I want to buy a new saddle. And I'm yeah. like, this is not the time for you to buy a new saddle. So I will do my best to shim it and, and um, use a different pad and um, do different things to try to make that saddle fit so that the person can get the horse going well, and yeah. then you can transition into taking a different direction. Hey guys, it's JJ. Welcome back to my podcast. So in this week's episode, I sit down with Debbie Witty. Debbie is the owner and the president of Trilogy Performance Salary and happens to be one of my longtime sponsors. Her saddle, the Virago, is my soulmate of saddles, and I've just been so honored and privileged to be one of her riders for probably over 15 years. She's not only a great sponsor, but a dear friend and someone who I've always looked up to and always shared a great deep connection with. She was out at my farm to do the lecture in my Team Tate Academy. And she was sharing so many wonderful insights and made everything so easy to understand that I thought it would be great to share with you guys as well. So I hope you guys enjoy it and make it a great day. Hey guys, welcome. Today I have Debbie Witty with me, who has been my longtime saddle sponsor for, we think we said 16 years? Yes. So I first, I met the Trilogy Saddle before I ever met Debbie. And I, it didn't even, wasn't even my size. It wasn't even like, but I just rode this horse and I thought, thank you, Nikki. I was like, this, I love, what saddle is this? Like, I I love this. Yes. And then meeting you and just respecting you so much for your expertise and your horsemanship and your just intelligence and you know, just the way you run your business and you run your life has just really always been just a wonderful example Thanks. in my life. And I just, I just am so appreciative of you. And um, we just actually did a lecture for the Team Tate Academy because I feel like saddle fitting is a big topic. And it I is. feel like he just, is like, I get like really nervous about like, this is the right way to train horses. I feel like Kind of everybody can just like on the saddle fitter, you yes. know, and it's just so important that it fits properly. And I know, like for me in my book, you're just like a master saddler, you know, and you run this amazing company. And yeah, just tell us a little bit about like you and how you started and how it's turned into the wonderful product that now you have. And yeah, just a little story about you, because I know like everyone knows that the trilogy is my especially the virago (laughs) it's my soulmate of saddles but like i always talk about like debbie this and debbie that and you know i go around to clinics all the time and they're like how do you know so much about saddle fitting i'm like well someone really smart has showed me you know the right way and and i'm always learning to Mm -hmm. obviously get to know it more but um yeah tell us a little bit about like how you got passionate about saddles um First and foremost, I, I grew up with, uh, we rode and showed and did things like that and was before dressage was around in upstate New York. And, but my dad had standard red racehorses and um, I would go and jog them from the time I was really young as soon as I could get them so they wouldn't run away with me. Um, I would go and jog them. But when you sit behind a horse for five miles, you know, long, slow distance, and you sit behind horse for five miles uh, with each horse. Um, you get to notice 
where they carry them, how they carry themselves, and where they carry themselves. Because you have the shafts, and so the shafts create that structure for you where mm-hmm. you, you can judge, you know, where they're carrying their head and their neck and what line they're on. He call them lines, not rings mm-hmm. in driving. Mm-hmm. What line they're on and where they're tracking and where their hindquarters are going. And, you know, you have trotters and pacers, and each of them carry a little bit differently, but they still travel differently. And I would, I would watch their hips. I would watch their hocks. I would watch their feet. I'd watch where they tracked. I'd watch their shoulders. I'd watch how they carried themselves. And it was really interesting to me to try to adjust that the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, so that, it, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, like, it was I, really I, fun. I, I didn't realize that. And it's interesting, like, knowing who you are now. Like, mm-hmm. I love it that that was so organic in you yes. about, like, what is this? proper motion and what do most horses do and for five miles yeah like you've got you've got time because no one's on their cell phone no <laughs> no they're like not you're actually noticing yeah. thinking analyzing experimenting yes and then kind of coming up with your own conclusions and that is what you would do you'd sit there and go okay if i if i hold on to this line a little bit more do they carry themselves a little straighter and the answer is usually yes and, um, and each horse is a little different because the tension, just like with dressage horses, the tension comes into play a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So that all went into, I worked and ran the exercise physiology program for 10 years at Cornell. And all I did was study bodies. So I galloped thoroughbreds and I drove standard breads. And I used to, believe it or not, we used to work a lot of horses in a day. And and um, I'd sit behind all those standard breads and watch, and then you you gallop, and you get to know the idiosyncrasies in not just each individual horse, but horses in general. You yeah, know, you like, can kind of stereotype, and totally. you do that in training. Well, that's what Charles always talks about. Like, you have to learn and understand horses as a species, not just little brownie. You know, mm-hmm. and most of us just own little brownie, but yes. we have to also, like, keep that grand picture in of like, yeah, but he's normal in most of these ways. Yes. And this is the tendency, just like people are like right-handed or left-handed, you know? And like yes. horses have a total body pattern that is... They're predisposed. Most normal, yeah. you know? And then yeah. when it's when it's not normal, it's usually just flipped to the other side, it you know? And, is. and it's amazing to me, like, how many people, especially in dressage, where... Yeah. Well, and saddle fitting, right, which is all based on the ability to, like, stack something up and totally balance it side Mm -hmm. to side and front to back. Mm -hmm. So you find that, like, perfect place of balance. And dressage is that way. Our saddles have to be that way. And the science of riding and the science of, like, that body patterns, I, I feel is kind of crazy that, like, I know, like, a lot of... I'm shocked with like a lot of trainers don't bring that into their riding enough. And then it's been like kind of amazing that like saddle fitters who are in charge of this really important piece, conversation yes. piece between the rider and the horse. Yes. That is like a major important thing. And it's it's kind of shocking to me like, oh, you know, I went to a master saddler weekend and now I'm a saddle fitter or I need a little yes. part-time job to do this thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, Whoa. yeah, like it, there's so much to it. And I just want everyone to kind of recognize like that your depth of knowledge goes so deeper uh, than just like, I like saddles, you know, or like whatever. But, it, you know, it, it also tied in for me is that when I didn't have, I mean, I was riding my first dressage uh, clinic, I rode a thoroughbred off the racetrack yeah. and that I was converting over to being a dressage horse because that's what I had to ride. And, but what was really interesting for me, and, and I think people need to remember this, is I learned so much by watching clinics because my eye was already there for, you know, the straightness of the horse and how the horse mm-hmm. carried themselves and what they did. And then when I would go, like we used to have Carol Laval used to come into our area all the time. And I rode with her several times. And, but also I would sit there and I would listen to her and I would watch what she said. And I would watch and anticipate what she was going to say mm-hmm. because I was watching what was happening with the horse's body. And that's how I learned to develop my eye mm-hmm. for the sport. And then, um, 
you know, I drove so much and with standard breads um, and with, with galloping thoroughbreds, you have to have a feel as well. So you develop your feel and, and develop your ideas of how to make them straighter. And mm -hmm. it's all about that. And sometimes you have to make them like we were talking about earlier about in canter, you know, and their low side is on the outside. And we were talking about how you do your shoulder in to the right as you're, as yeah. you're going in, you know, the making them straighter is all about what it is. And we kept saying earlier, it's balance and symmetry, constantly yeah. balance and symmetry. Yeah. Your job, my job. Yeah. Um, the farrier's job. The farrier's job. The best job. job you know, the like... dentist's job. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's job. And it's just always like every single time. And I'm not just saying that because we're on the podcast today, yeah. but this is legit. Like yeah. every single time I visit with you and you come and you check my saddles, it's always like I'm, and we even did it like organically on the video for the Academy of like, oh, Freddie, you could, and I could see the minute your fingers, like, I know you could. kind of a yeah. little spongy right there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and I was thinking to myself, like, I hope he's, I mean, I hope he's not Bex or all uh -uh. of a sudden for this, no. you know, demo in the Academy, yes. but it was yes. like. That squishy piece, yes. which is exactly where your hands with your experience and your feel like go right in there and you're like, feels good. And then oop, it's yep. a little mushy. And I'm like, that's exactly where I feel like he's yes. the weakest yes. without being like, uh, like weak in the back and like yucky looking yes. or like wasp wasted. And, you know, he looks pretty good. He looks really good. But it's like, oh, that that is exactly what I feel under saddle. And then we looked at the left you know built up shoulder and then i was like standing in front of him like it looks like yeah. really big you know yeah. like now that you're and then i was gonna like move his mane on the right because i'm like wait like really yeah because it was like Whoa, you yeah know? it's very surprising isn't it and then it was yes. funny because i'm like while you're talking i'm like and then you turn and you're like i mean wouldn't you say and i'm like full circle yeah as yeah. always you know that i'm like that's why I ride more shoulder into the right to get the right hind leg under to lift and free up that loaded yeah. left shoulder. Yes. And then on that left lead canter, it's like stack them up through the outside corridor aids, right hind leg up through my right thigh, shoulder blade, elbow, ring finger, rein. And yeah. that like yeah. that corridor. And it was just so like always, yeah. you know, we, and it was fun to share. And I hope with you guys, you know, you guys get a sense of it. Like it's just, horsewomen sharing yes and it's always the same yes. which is always like i don't have always that same experience with other saddle fitters and that's not against you know but i just think as an industry i want my followers and my academy members to really know you know because like when you know better you do better yes. thank you maya angelo you know but it's like I feel like you could just share with us so much about what to look for as an owner. And like when your saddle fitter comes out, like what are the the big takeaway pieces that people should think about when they, because I mean, I've heard everything from like, you know, one of my more beginner riders and like, it's not like I'm looking at it like, I don't think this is like working at all for this lady. And mm -hmm. they're like, and she's like, oh, well, I'm not, you know, fit really to sit the trot. And he's like, oh, well, you'll, you'll get better. Or you need, you know, you're just not a good rider. Yeah. That's why the saddle's not working. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, you are not experienced and stuck on their like glue yet. But we need to find tech that you're not going to fight because he or she wanted to sell you a saddle, you know? And so that's like on my end as a trainer, yes. like it's so frustrating. And I'm just like, who? But it happens at every level. I had one Olympic rider that um, before they came to me was trying other saddle lines. And the saddle fitter had the guts to say to this rider that when they said, you know, this just isn't working for me. And they said, oh, well, you just have to get used to it. And then you'll and she said, no, I, I don't think I need to get used to it. I think <laughs> I think I can ride. I think I'm okay. I think I think so, it don't suck. Totally. Yeah, I think this yeah. just doesn't, you know, and that's also, and that we're not saying like you must go with the saddle. Like Never, never. But, like we're open to yeah, that. But yeah. like what we want to do is like make sure you're educated and make the best educated choice by knowing like the the rules I I have to tell you, I make so many other saddle companies' saddles fit mm -hmm. because 
people are on a limited budget. They've just purchased a new saddle. I try not to do new saddles because I avoid their warranty oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. So I try really hard not to do new people, new saddles for people. But constantly, I have people that come here into Florida and they're spending all their money being here. Yeah, it's a huge investment. It's a huge yeah. investment. And so um, I do my best to make saddles fit for people. I had a, I, I'm a storyteller, sorry. I uh, had this one situation where the fitter had been out four different times for a brand new saddle for the woman. And my, my trainer says, you know, I want you to sell her a new saddle. So the horse was super asymmetrical, mm-hmm. had a lot of issues with anger and behavioral and like uh, I said that, like, I was like, what kind of issues? And you're like, yeah. anger. I yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which and, a bad fitting saddle will do, you know? And he had had some soundness issues, which all, you know, just compounds and snowballs into yeah. a horse that's not going to work well. Yeah. And I said, you know, the thing is, I constantly say to people, this is not the time for you. Because people will call me out and say, I want to buy a new saddle. And I'm yeah. like, this is not the time for you to buy a new saddle. So I will do my best to shim it and, and um, use a different pad and um, do different things to try to make that saddle fit so that the person can get the horse going well. And yeah. then you can transition into taking a different direction. Mm-hmm. But don't always think that a new saddle is going to be the solution because sometimes it's, you know, it's a matter of getting the horse sound and getting the horse comfortable. And sometimes you can make that happen with the saddle that's, that you have, but it's just getting the right balance and symmetry for that specific saddle on that horse. Mm-hmm. And so I am not a, I am not a force feeder and, uh, because I know there are so many circumstances where it's not the right situation for them to get a new saddle. And yeah. even though and I that's not setting it up for success. It is not. It is not. So. Uh, and I have people that call and say, I had this other company come out and they said that they would never be able to make the saddle sit straight. And I always say, I'm not telling you that I could make the saddle sit straight <laughs> yeah. without without doing some shimming and padding and doing things like that. Yeah. So so it's not necessarily that it's that saddle that's that's out of whack. Sometimes it's just your horse is asymmetrical, they're uncomfortable. Their asymmetry makes you ride mm-hmm. crooked, mm-hmm. and then it just goes downhill from there. So what would you say, like, as far as, like, for the rider? Like, mm-hmm. what are your, like, bullet points for, like, this is going to be a saddle that works for you? in your... Because it's like we're taking, like, two totally different structures, and this is, like, also, like, the science of riding yes. and the art of it and the blending yes. of like two totally unlike beings, yes. right? Like, you know, the vertical, you know, vector of the rider and the horizontal plane of the horse. And we're talking about like our pelvic undercarriage and the horse's like back, which is not meant to carry like mm-hmm. any weight. It's a long week suspension bridge. Exactly. And yep. we're not really meant to be like directly sitting around this round barrel so like when you first like let's just talk about the rider for a minute what are your key points for a rider to find a saddle that is going to work for them um we just talked about this and and it's a good thing to repeat because it's it's a checklist to me when you're trying a saddle whether it's you know whether you're trying your friend's saddle or whether you're sitting on a fitting horse and trying brand new saddles I always say, I always create a checklist for people because you want to you check the same things when you get on each saddle so that your, your checkpoints are the same. So I always say you want even pressure through the base of your pelvis. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any pressure in the front. A lot of people sit on their pubic bone mm-hmm. and they'll be really sore riding any saddle. You know, you have to sit on your three-point seat. You have to identify where your three-point seat is. And I always say it's the, for ladies, it's the back edge of your crotch and the front edge of both seat bones. And, and you can feel your tailbone and you can feel your pubic bone. And that's it. Yeah. Simple as that. Yep. And um, keep it simple. But that's what you want to look for. And then you want to look for the saddle that gives you both seat bones being well supported. So some saddles, 
are narrower in the seat bone area and some settles are wider in their seat bone areas. And then you have all the in-betweens. But you want to make sure that you're not falling off both edges or you don't want to feel like you're being wishboned, you know, if, yeah. if you're getting pulled apart in your pelvis. Because everybody is a different shape, you know. You have your open pelvises and then your people that are more angular and they're narrower. And sometimes you can't tell from the outside mm -hmm. what someone's pelvic arch looks like. Mm -hmm. But then you want to think about, and this is a, these last two are the most important to me in my mind, is that you want to see which saddle gives you the best drape of your leg off from your hip. And that's the, that's the pelvic arch part where you get that rotation of your thigh. And I know you talk about this, letting your feet hang parallel to the horse's body so you don't constantly have your toes turned out and your spurs and in the your, horse's Yeah, and your side. knees out. It's like that internal rotation of that femur and like to be able to like pull your heel away. That's that leg drape. And I feel like that's one of the big things the first time I got in one of your saddles. And it was like not even nearly the right. It was like a 16 inch and I'm in the 18. It was like right. totally not the right size for me. Right. But it did something to my leg that I was like, I was riding towards the mirror and I was like, oh my God, like yeah. my, like my stirrup irons, yeah. I can see perfectly in that mirror yes. because my, my, my knees, my internal rotation of my femur and it just hung my leg in a different way and I was like you mean a saddle can help do that <laughs> you know and I mean that's embarrassing like only like 16 years ago or <laughs> something like that but yeah but it's interesting because I I've gotten in the habit now of when people are sitting on the fitting horse I actually take pictures of them I make them pretend to pick up their stirrup because we do we do all of the fitting on the fitting horse and then they pick a short list of saddles and then those are the saddles they try. Mm -hmm. We don't try 12 different saddles on the horse's back because about the third saddle they're saying get off. Yeah, exactly. so, and like nothing, none of these are going to work. It today. is not going to work. Because we're done. Yeah. So I take a picture of them from the front so they can see the angle of their thigh and they can see how their leg drapes and they can see how, and it's so interesting to watch because you can see sometimes they'll have a lot of creases in the front of their hip and their pants and their britches and their legs, their thighs will be out like this. Yeah. And then they get other ones where they, they get a flatter front of their hip and their legs are draping like this. And then all of a sudden they start to realize how that saddle's carved down under their thigh and is allowing their leg to drape. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. And yeah. It, that it's not, but you don't want it to be invasive. So it's coming up into your pelvic arch. But you want something that gives you all of those things together. Yeah. And then you want to see which saddle gives you the lowest center of gravity, puts you down around the horse the most. Yeah. So that, you know, your, your belly button and your whole pelvis and your like whole body is like. Drop. Yep. yep. I always, it's kind of a funny term, but I always say you're sucked down around the horse. No, I mean, and that it's was like, like one of the most amazing. That's when I knew like the Virago was like for me, like my soulmate. Right. Because it was like whether it didn't even matter what size the seat was, which it does matter. We'll get into that too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. like in that situation, I was just like, yep. like I was just like, I felt like a centaur. Yeah. Like I had like a human body human torso and then like I was like horse body yeah. because like my I just got like from my belt down just like sucked down around and you know everyone was like oh but it's like got big knee rolls and I'm like I don't even feel them like no. I'm not on them like no. I'm it is dropped my leg no nope. open my hip rotated my femurs in and of course it takes a lot of hard work to ride well also it does. but it does you need to organize like the best support you to have do it well. Something that enables that to right. happen. Yeah. yeah. So you're not fighting the tack. It's gotta you've gotta have something that heads you in the right direction. And and that's why we go through and it's not just us, but I hope this happens with you, your experience with other saddle companies is that, you know, we go through them and through them and through them because what we're trying to do and what you want to do when you're trying new saddles or trying different saddles, you want to kind of erase your muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Because what's familiar to you is probably going to feel the best to you. So we just put people through the saddles repeatedly so that you forget what your saddle felt like. And by the time they're done, sometimes we bring their saddle back up and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so different because you've adjusted the Clever. way they feel. Clever. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's like when you go to the eye doctor and they're it's like the lens one yeah. or lens two. And you're like, OK, two. And they're like 
lens two or lens three. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden, like they switch it up on you so that you really are like, okay, I went actually with lens one and yeah. that was just a tiny bit different. And then they go back to your regular yes. and you're like, oh my God, I can't see at all. Yes. You know, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Because you don't truth. know what you don't know. It is. And the I truth. think that's really interesting to like shake out the muscle memory of yes. like, yeah. even though, you know, and, or you don't like for saddle at all. And then, oh my God, something different yes. feels better. Yes. But then like, but now. But does it really? Do, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it really the best choice? Yeah. So that's, that's great. And some people, it's kind of interesting because some people will first sit in, because I I designed all of our saddles. Yeah. So I know intimately how these saddles are built. And people will get in our narrowest twist and they'll say, oh, this is really wide. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, and I never disagree. But I just manipulate their, them into thinking, okay, it, they, she thought that was too wide. So now we'll put her in our widest one. And then we put her in a wide one and all of a sudden she'll go, oh. And I say she because we have a lot of women. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's amazing how just by putting the saddles in the right order, we can kind of maneuver them into starting to have an open mind yeah. and an open body to that. And that's what you need to do is don't just sit through two or three saddles and just go, oh, well, I like that one the best. Because your body and your brain really don't know until you've kind of confused things a little bit. Yeah, and like shake it up a little Absolutely. bit. And then be like clean slate. Absolutely. Which, of course, it like can't ever be a clean slate because no. you're either going to love what you were in mm -hmm. or you either are hated. You hate like you're getting saddles for yes. a couple different reasons. You yes. hate it. And it's not working, or you love it, and you want another one, or you got yes. a new horse, you know. Yes. And so it's like, it, it really is. I know it's like, I, I don't understand how it isn't more of a science because people. It's so expensive to like. It's hugely. Expensive. I mean, and I think this about horse training, right? I'm like, why don't you do more research on like who you're gonna go send your horse to? It is the truth, and that's also like it's a big investment to buy a new saddle. You know, it's incredible the craftsmanship and the quality of leather that goes into it, and you know, you do get what you pay for. Like that, you do. Uh, that that's you do. important, but it's also like are you having the best experience as the customer? Mm -hmm. Like. What about that? You know, and, and, mm -hmm. and I feel like the standard is low. That is just like, oh, you're going to oh, look at you. OK, you're going to like this saddle. Yeah. And if it's done not working, it's like, well, I mean, it's you need to you get don't used ride to well. it. Right. Or you're, you know, you're not a very good rider. And then like shaming is always a bad idea. Like that's like that's not happens, necessary. Happens all the time. More than you think, yeah. you know, happens all like, the time. We've got to like up our standards also as a customer, which is why, you know, I want to help educate people of like, yes. it's okay to ask the hard questions, you it know, but is like, okay. I love it that like, I can ask you like, what is your process? And you're like, this, this is time studied yes. experience. This yes. is how we want to make sure you as a customer get the best experience. And get, because at the end of the day, you're going to be the most happy with it when you've made that. And, you know, yeah, deep study of deep like, what you want yeah yeah it's the truth and you know and the good thing is is that there's so much information out, out there anymore about if you're researching trying to find a fitter or a saddle line that works for you I mean you know read and study and find out and you know you're gonna find similarities once you start to start mm -hmm. to look down through fitters so you're going to find, you know, find, ask questions, ask questions of other people, go on forums and ask questions, knowing that there are a lot of, you know, armchair quarterbacks <laughs> sitting back there that don't really know that are going to still tell you their opinion. Right. So you have to just do some research on it and, and follow up in a different place and, you know, continue to find out. But, um, you know, the biggest thing is, is that you just... If you get the opportunity to watch someone do a saddle fitting for another person, really pay attention. Ask if, ask if you can just watch, mm -hmm. you know, ask if you can watch and see what they're doing. But, you know, I really think that, I mean, I'm a qualified fitter for the Society of Master Saddlers out of England. And we have a seven-point system that we go through. And um, I think it's really critical that you do that. And... Um, you know, you can see it on your, on your video that we just did. Um, and it's really important that they, people go down through and they have a system. 
-hmm. and not that they're just throwing the saddle on and telling you that looks good. Right. You're like doing this, doing that, doing this, this. Okay. I think that works. Yeah. And I make, I like to have engage my clients and have them put their hand under and understand the difference between how this feels and how it shouldn't feel. Mm -hmm. And I haven't feel it when it doesn't feel right, when it's the wrong tree and you have right. a big gaping bridging in there. Right. And, and you're like, I can fit my hand. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So what are those like seven points that you always like? Mm -hmm. Where do you start and what are those seven? And I just go down from the top, but I like to see down the gullet. Some people call it the channel. And I like to see down the center of that saddle. There's got to be, we do about four to five fingers, sometimes even a little bit more depending upon the width of the horse. But look at the horse that you have. If you have a more angular horse, you don't want a gullet that's six to eight fingers wide. It's going to bottom out and you're going to have kissing spine and spine surgery and all sorts of stuff after a while. So you want to find the, the saddle that suits that horse, that gullet width. But three fingers is minimum. Mm -hmm. And usually a four to five is, is more. Don't you think recently like that's been more paid attention to and now yes. most saddles are getting a little bit wider? Yes. Yep. There's still some older, older philosophy companies mm -hmm. that you'll still see some narrower stuff on and you'll see a lot of old saddles. Mm -hmm. um, with those narrower gullets. Yeah. And, and you know, the horse will, uh, I had a client that presented a saddle like that with a very narrow gullet and she really wanted, it was her favorite saddle. And, but she got a new five-year-old and she wanted to use it desperately. And I said to her, I said, I think you can use it right now. But I said, I bet you in two months, he's going to tell on you and tell you to stop using it. And this is when I worked at the university and I walked into this acupuncture um, class that they were teaching, a night class, and there she was. And I said, hey, how are you doing? How's your horse? Uh, <laughs> doesn't like the saddle. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So, it, you know, they tell on you. They tell you, you know, read. But then you want to look at the angle of the tree. You know, does it match the angle of the horse's body? Not the shoulder because the saddle isn't sitting on the horse's shoulder behind the scapula. And remembering that the tree point only comes down maybe six inches mm -hmm. from the top of the panel, it becomes, um, it, it becomes free because it's, there's just leather, leather. and yeah. wool in there. So you had, need to know that structure is following the horse's body making sure it's not the wool because sometimes the wool be, will be a little bit round. And if, but if you can squeeze through that, and then the end of the tree, because some horses, you know, horses are kind of pear-shaped at the top. Mm -hmm. So you have your withers and then behind the scapula and behind the shoulder blade. And, and then they widen out as they come to the rib cage, the mm -hmm. top of the rib cage. So you have to match that angle of that pear to match the angle of the tree point. So the bottom of the tree point being at the widest part doesn't impinge. And then you look at the balance point for the rider. You want to make sure you can sit over the top of your leg. And that's really important, that balance and symmetry, again, come into play. So that's an important piece looking in, your, in that. And then we're looking at the bottom of the panel. Run your hand along the bottom of the panel. And you're going to see if you have holes underneath, which can be bridging. So you have the front of the saddle and the back of the saddle, and you can stick more than your fingertips underneath. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes if you can stick your fingertips, the horse will lift their body just enough. You know, it's a tiny bit. And then um, if you have that bridging, then you have to make sure that either the, it's the wool, is it the wool, mm -hmm. or is it the shape of the tree? Same with the next point, which is rocking underneath. You know, is it the tree, the shape of the tree? Is it a curvy tree mm -hmm. so that it's going to rock in, on the horse's back? Or is it the wool that's making it rock? Mm -hmm. But the pivot point is right at the back of that flap, the big flap. And it rocks. It's like a boat being tied to a dock. It rocks back and shoves forward and rocks back, yeah. shoves forward. And so then the 18th rib is the last point. And you want to make sure that the 18th rib is, is behind, that the saddle is in front of the 18th rib, remembering that the panel isn't the, the back of the tree. You're looking at the tree, which is the end of the cantle straight down. 
and you're going to see where it ties into the panel and it's straight down and then the panel can be manipulated and adjusted or changed or so but it's getting that right seat size for that rider too as we talked about yeah you know making sure that the rider isn't sitting on the back of the cantle yep. and creating that rocking motion because it's levering on them Yes, or their thigh being forced back. You got it from the big knee roll, and then putting them uh, in a fork seat or like onto the crotch. Yeah, I think is that like, happens all the time too. Yeah, and then everyone feels that pressure on the knee from the knee roll, and then lengthens the stirrup down. Yes, and then it's like, please do not do that. <laughs> you know, like you just and I know it's hard and it's a big investment to get a different saddle, but like, like changing the physics of the angles is not the answer you know you're it's exactly like, it's right it's just like this your knee needs to be able to have more freedom to go forward and and kind of find that front part of the horse's rib cage that it can lay down and around but um yeah that's always like and the angle of the block as you said is so critical and there are so many saddles on the market now because people think that that big block and that big angle are going to hold you in place mm -hmm. And they may hold you in place, but they contort your body in a way that you're really not secure and you're not as effective on the horse's body. And it's, it's really important to, to discover that or at least gauge that for yourself. Yeah. And don't think that just because that block has a big angle and, or it's a huge block that it's doing you any favors, make sure that you're really checking into that and mm -hmm. seeing, does that really work the best for me? Does that put me in the best place? Am I able to find a really good sweet spot in this saddle mm -hmm. where I'm down around the horse yeah. and really effective? Yeah, I was just thinking about like that lowering of that center of gravity is like so, and it's like, and and you know, because it's well like, oh, how do you know? Well, you know. Yeah, like if you you're really like, know. Well, and if you're like jammed up against the knee roll, that like stability there is going to make your upper body it does. move more, you know, instead of letting your, leg pull out of your pelvis and being able to like stretch up but stretch down you know that is actually what you know because i can get really crammed in and i my my leg can feel real secure but it's going right to my l5 yeah you know and if the horse yeah. does anything i'm like stuck in in the wrong way you yeah. know and it's interesting like with um the virago for me and my structure it's like, I just feel like my, my knees don't touch it. I'm anchored down mm -hmm. and I have enough movement that I don't feel like if the horse moves, like it supports me to go with it, but it's not like, I'm not like stuck in there. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's what, you know, that's what I wish for everybody is that they find something for themselves that really gives them that feeling where they're down around that horse and they're not weebling and wobbling up there because, you know, that's how... That's how you're never going to really get that security, you know, that stretch. Mm -hmm. When you have that drape of your leg and that low center of gravity, you can get so much more effectiveness. Yeah. yeah. And that tensegrity inside your body, which is so important for like correct aids. And it gives you such independence mm -hmm. in your upper body. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to feel like, you know, yeah, and you're rigid and you're tight and it just, holding. yeah, 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 it makes a big difference. Hey guys, did you know that I have an online training academy? Well, I do, and it's called Dun 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 Team Tate Academy. Do you need to know how to ride a shoulder in better? Does your horse get spooky or tight? Would you like a little more theory in bite sized chunks? How about help with those flying changes or even just helping your horse learn to go on the bit a bit better? We already have over 170 videos on every subject from basic connection from the ground to Piaf and Passage and everything in between. And I do mean everything. The videos are about 12 minutes long and come with cheat sheets so you can download and keep it at the barn. It's easy to listen from your car, maybe even while you're tacking up your horse. All Academy members join the Tack Room Chats, twice monthly Zoom meetings where you can ask questions and discuss with two of my coaches. And sometimes even I'm able to be there live. Apprentice level members receive monthly lectures with deep dives into theory. 
discussions with other experts, including horse and rider biomechanics, saddle fitting, long lining, mental health, and more. You can check it out at teamtateacademy.com slash info. And now back to the podcast. I'd yes. like people to a little bit get to know you like a little more personal because, you know, you're just such an amazing woman with integrity who runs a fantastic business. I, I think um, as far as a business person, I think that, I mean, you just said my, my favorite word is integrity. I think yeah. that when you represent anything, your business, you have to do you have to do what you say you're going to do. You have to have, I mean, with us, we have a system in place for all of our saddle fitters to do. Um, the structure makes it so that all the saddle fitters should perform in the same way because we want everyone to have the same experience. And so for me, it's always that system of checks and balances, constantly making sure that everyone is being taken care of to the best of your ability um that you're doing all the right things that the quality control for us is really critical i mean Huge. we check every yeah. single saddle over and make sure and i'm not going to tell you sometimes things don't happen i have i have you know a new assistant and something will happen there and they won't understand that you know the things i'm repeating are the same but uh, you know we keep checking that we keep making sure that things are good and and that things improve um, but we're always trying to look at, we do surveys with all of our people that purchase saddles because we want to know what their experience is about and how they felt about things. And we also want to know if we need to improve in some way, shape, or form. That's also really critical to keep trying to improve and trying to reinvent yourself and trying to make it a better experience for people and the horses. Well, and I think everything always comes down to like, how can we make it all better for the horses? I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we all kind of got into it, but like, how do you create, and I, I feel like, especially in like today's society where like performance reviews might not be like everyone's favorite thing to talk about, you know, like, Hey, you could do a better job here. Like I, what I have noticed knowing you for all these years and like witnessing your business, which I would also say is a business full of integrity. Like how do you create that team spirit um, amongst all your fitters? Because it's like, you're, you know, the owner of the company and like the big boss. And then you've got all these saddle fitters underneath that tent. Um, and so you have to kind of like oversee that everyone is doing the same good job for your company. And like, how do you bring everyone together and how do you keep up? Um, like, how do you do that quality control? A lot of that is, um, I have a lot of feedback from the clients when we, we have people, we created this system where when they're done with purchasing their saddle and they've had the saddle delivered, then the people call in to validate their warranty with us. And it gives me the opportunity to get a little bit of a feel of what's going on. So we ask very specific questions about, you know, what their experience was like. And it gives me, I know exactly what's going on out in the field. If, if I don't read between the lines too much, sometimes, um, you know, it would be lost. The whole, the whole, their whole experience would be lost on me, but I read between the lines a lot and I ask it, I ask a lot of questions of the fitter. If I'm, if say for instance, they delivered the saddle and the horse was lame and they couldn't do, they couldn't do anything with the horse on that specific day, then um, I give the fitter a call and we talk about it because we talk about how soon, you know, what their plan is, how the horse looked, what is the prognosis, how long is it going to be? You know, just so that we don't lose track of all of that. But, you know, we we have annual, we try to have annual meetings. We were kind of messed up with the COVID and all. But, um, yeah, we, tr we try to have annual meetings. And um, 
it's a little bit hard to get the Zoom meetings, but we also try to do some Zoom meetings. And, you know, I talk to them on the phone quite a lot. Yeah. Talk yeah. To them on the phone a lot. And they call in and anytime any of our saddle fitters have a concern or a problem, then they have another layer by calling me and checking in with me to see if I can problem solve with them. And you know, the, the patterns are not always specific to, um, you know, like a breed or a level of work or a specific trainer, but um, you can have some stereotypes with that. So there's a lot that I can do and they, they take pictures and they take videos and we troubleshoot a lot together. So it's a really important piece of it, I feel, is that the client knows that we have another layer of of support for them as well. Yeah, that's very cool. And like as the business owner, like you stay connected to all of that. Cause I I feel like that's if the if the business, you know, once it gets so big, you get this little disconnect going. And I and I've really um, seeing that even though your business is very large and very successful, like you've kept this indi individualistic approach to each and every client and, and, you know, with the fitters too, helping everyone kind of feel like they're all in it together, which is, which is pretty special. Right. Right. I, I think another thing that I thought was really cool, um, because you've like designed all these saddles, which is like, so cool to like know the person who's like you know design the saddles and have figured it out of like what works for most body types or you know and it comes down to like the person the rider deciding what they like but I thought it was very cool because there was a lot of different saddles like going with the times you know and it was all like ooh the mono flap or like you know whatever and I thought that was so cool that like you had been in the works of that kind of saddle for a long time as well and now Trilogy also offers a mono flap and so tell me a little bit about how you keep like that's a special thing for anyone I mean I struggle with that with like staying true to like classical dressage that Xenophone did at 400 BC and then like mixing that with like modern day dressage and like winning in the competition. So like, how do you find keeping with the integrity of the wonderful product that you had that you know works and how did you kind of like add in this like new modern like mono flap um, idea? Like how do you, how do you stay with the times but yet still have your wonderful traditional thing that you know works. Yeah, it's it's always, as you know, it's paying attention to what's working on the horses and what the riders are looking for. And most of the riders are looking for, you know, I, I saw everyone coming through with all these monoflaps with the big, huge, gigantic blocks and the big blocks set at angles and, you know, and, so my observations have always been what, even though sometimes, even sometimes the professional riders don't always know what's putting them in the best position on their horse. You know, if you look, you'll see horses, saddles that are putting the rider way behind their leg, no matter what gate they're in. And, you know, it's not necessarily just connection where the, or collection where the horse is actually sitting more and the back of the saddle goes down a little more because the hindquarters are sitting more. Um, it's, you know, it's all coming up with what's going to work for the majority of riders because you don't want to have 5 million saddles. It makes, creates too many choices for people and everyone gets really confused. And then you're kind of your marketing and your, your, um, your position in the market kind of gets gray and muddy. And so what I always like to do is pay attention to what people are riding in and start to notice what each kind of saddle does to people and how more people are, how people are riding in their positions and the type of horses, because even the horses change, you know, the, the breeding, the more modern breeds, you have to keep up with what's happening with them as well. 
you know, and how they're lifting their bodies. You see more and more horses uh, lifting over that trapezius. So they lift the front of the saddle more. So you have to think about that aspect of it. Um, because as the horse lifts over the trapezius and they sit, sit more behind, if you don't have enough to support it behind, then the saddle's gonna go into a hole and the rider's gonna be way behind their legs, sitting on the back end of the horse, sitting over the, over the back of the saddle. And guess what happens? The horse gets sore and the rider isn't as effective not being over the top of their leg as much. So it's just watching and observing and trying to always evolve with what's happening. And, you know, I sat back and when monoflaps became really uh, prevalent in the market and a lot of people just, you know, went crazy for them. You know, everyone was thinking that it's closer contact, it's better for the horse, it's lighter, it's, you know, kind of a less saddle, which in some ways it is, um, but, I just felt like, you know, just for me, I still wanted to go with something that's gonna put the rider over the top of their leg. It's gonna give them something that seats them down around the horse the most and give them a really comfortable ride with a block that's not gonna get be so invasive that it gets in their way, you know, cause it keeps it, it keeps it just a cleaner ride. And one of my clients told me that um, they have, they were having a, FEI judge um, do a clinic for them. And the FEI judge actually said that if they're meeting, that they all discussed what these big, huge blocks are doing to people's position. And I thought mm. that was fascinating that they were paying attention to that. They said that those big, huge blocks weren't doing anybody any favors. And so I, I you know, I listen, I pay attention, and I think, and we still have, uh, I still had to think about the riders that um, don't like the deeper seats and don't like the narrower twists because there are some people that find them invasive. So you have to have kind of that happy medium as well. Um, and so that's that's how I designed those three saddles. And then one of them does have the more slanted block, but it's also available in the straighter block version mm -hmm. so that we can we can give people another choice. So that's that's kind of how it evolves. You know, you're just always thinking and paying attention and watching how the horses are shaped and watching where they lift and watching how they're carrying the riders. And I think that that, that really is, is how it evolves into, into a saddle. Yeah. I mean, and I think what's so interesting too, when people are like, Oh, I want this close contact feel, you know? And then it's like, I agree. Like the mono flap was like, you said that it's like less saddle um and I always tell everybody I'm like yeah I mean I know it looks from the outside that the Virago has this knee roll but I said I don't ever feel like I'm jammed up against it and it's like there's like a you know a pushing up of the knee and a locking in in my seat like I actually feel it drapes my leg and I just like you're saying like sit on top of my leg and it frees up my back and I don't even feel the knee roll really. And that actually gives me, I feel closer to my horses in the Virago um, and the ethos, which is the other, that's the same one as the Virago tree wise, right? Yes. Yep, yeah. It is. So mm -hmm. those are my, those are my two favorites. And um, it's kind of crazy that you, you don't even feel the, like when, when the knee roll is actually like properly like if it's when it's the right knee roll for you you actually shouldn't feel it you know and like have your leg like jammed up against it you know because it can't it can't replace good riding and and that's what I also respect about you so much too like you're a rider you're a horsewoman like I know I can count on one hand how many people I know have exercised racehorses at the track and you are one of them you know like you have studied horse's motion and you've ridden it and you know it and like you've brought that into the saddle fitting um realm and I, I just think that's really a special combination it's it's always interesting I worked with a a trainer that I've known for years yesterday and and um just the fact that I went in and, and she was she had a, just a short amount of time because she had another appointment 
but I went in to see her client and it's a horse that, that they purchased that was one of my clients to begin with. So they had, they purchased the saddle with the horse and I went over and really nice people. And, um, but I'm going through things and I'm trying to hurry, but I still know, I still feel there are really important points I had this show and talk about and like the horse being asymmetrical and which is the hollow side, and which is the stiff side. And, and I had to show them it was a, you know, it was a Spanish horse and um, many of the Spanish horses, because they're a little doughier bodied, they get a little sinkage and they oftentimes don't have saddles that fit well. So many of them have had, when they come here to the country, they have had, you know, bigger people on them and they have atrophy in their back. So muscle wasting in their back. So I always like people to see those things before we complete the fitting and so we talked about that and she said, I can tell you that I have never had a saddle fitter explain those things before. And I thought that that's one of the things that we really work hard at because we wanna make sure that people are educated to all of the facts of you know, how their saddle should feel and how it should fit. And that's a really important piece um, just to understand that your horse is hollow and understand what kind of horse you have to pick for the length of your saddle because you know unless you lose a lot of weight and you change body size or your leg length legs length of your legs change you're not going to get a different size saddle so you might as well find something a horse that's more suitable for the length of your saddle and and judge and understand those things as to why you need to pick a horse with a certain length of saddle position so it's all it's all really important and and um that's why I love educating people on those points. Well, we love you educating us. <laughs> but like how long have you been passionate about saddle fitting and like what what made you decide? I mean, I feel like there's always so many different ways we can contribute to the sport and like what made you get really passionate about saddle fit it was interesting i i worked at the vet school for at cornell for 10 years and i ran their exercise physiology program and we were galloping a lot of racehorses and we had i had two saddles and we had uh, thoroughbreds that were quite wide and we had like I had this one little tiny narrow chestnut mare and I went to um, Joanne's Fabrics that was a local store and I went and I got a whole bunch of foam because we didn't have any pads to speak of except for lollipops everybody had those yeah. lollipops yes so yeah so I went and I cut I cut out of these big foam pieces I cut wedges because I'm I'm a big strong believer in beveling the edges of any pad that goes underneath the horse and between the saddle and the and the horse's back. So I want the, the pressure to blend into the horse's back. So I went and cut all of those shims, which I didn't know what I was doing, but I just cut all these things because I wanted to change the balance and the fit on each of those horses. So I mean I went through huge amounts of foam just skiving and cutting and trimming. And oh my gosh, it worked. The horses performed differently. They were more comfortable. They went more forward. It was easier. They galloped more easily. And then um, it was time for us to start a family. And um, I bought the local tax shop. And fortunately, one of the women that was in our community um, was the distributor for the US for Albion Saddles. And so um, that's where it all started. And I started taking the saddles in and with my background and my interest, um, you know, out of the whole nation, I was like third in the nation for several years with them. And then decided from there, we were gonna just, um, I had decided I was like the, I don't know, I'm aging myself, but like the Schick razor where I think it was the Schick razor where the guy went and bought the company because he liked the razor so much. So <laughs> I felt that I could do more. And so I bought the distributorship and in, I bought that in 99. So I started fitting in 90 
And in 99, I bought the distributorship for the US. And then in 2005, I felt like I wanted to evolve and change and, and put my own stamp on things and really pay attention to what was going on in the industry as far as riding and as far as the horses, because I could see the horses' shapes changing and the way they carried themselves, which was very exciting. And then um, because in 2000, I started working with uh, Gunter Seidel and Debbie McDonald and George Williams with the Albions. And then um, from there, I, I mean, leaps and bounds, you could see all sorts of things that could be different. And so that's in 2005, that's when I started my own, my own label and started designing my own saddles and went to England and got together with some saddlers and designed some, picked out some trees and picked out the leather and we went to town. So Amazing. that's how, and, and that's how, but I, you know, it's so much, I was talking to David Marcus yesterday and we were talking about the rewards of it. Cause he said, he said, I never thought I could see myself as a saddle fitter, but he said, I see that there's so many rewards in it. And I said, there are. And I say to every single saddle fitter, it feeds, it feeds me. It feeds my passion. Doesn't feed my ego because as soon as your ego gets too big, you get shot down in two seconds. Of course <laughs> comes along and says, you know, can no. you picture textbook perfect? And the horse will say, uh-uh, not doing it. Yeah. So, and those things happen. Sometimes I'm not going to say, I never say our saddle is for every horse, our saddle is for every rider. I'm not going to say that, but um, I will tell you, we work really hard at trying to, trying to make you comfortable in the saddle that you're in. So, um, so that's kind of how it all started. And that's why I became so interested in the saddle fittings. And like I say, it is, I have people cry regularly during our saddle fittings because it's so it's so enlightening and it's so exciting when you actually find something that makes you ride better and makes the horse go better and all of a sudden they just blossom and it yeah. it 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 is it really an emotional situation i can tell you over and over and over again and it is so much it's so rewarding i love it i love it so where can people find you um, and how can they get in contact with you? You know, I have a lot of people, by the way, that contact me that have nothing to do with my saddles, nothing at all. And they contact me because they're in trouble. And I never have any problems with people contacting us, but you can contact us on our office phone and you can get hold of me that way. So that's, and I'll tell you what it is. It's 561-469-2367. And you can, you can always uh, look for us at TrilogySaddles.com as our website. And our, my email address is info at Performance Saddlery. And that's our corporate name is Performance Saddlery, for those of you that don't know. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to have had this opportunity to speak with you for sure, because it's fun to share. It it is wonderful, and I mean, I know you're one of our secret weapons here on the Team Tate Academy, and um, you know, I've been also one of those clients that like sat in the saddle and was just like, okay, so I can't guarantee this is going to happen for everyone out there, but I remember it was even like a tiny saddle. Like we laughed about this when we were together the last time. I'm like, I think it was like a 16 and a half, which there's no it way was. I should yes. fit into that. You know, thank you, Nikki. But um, it just fit me. And I was like, yeah. my, 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 my thigh was long. The internal rotation of my femur came easy. My toes were in. And I was like, I've been working my whole life to get this leg right. And then I sat in the saddle and like, whoa, it just helped, you know, it just like, because it's so frustrating to be like, you know, um, riding against your tack, you know, or like trying to ride the horse in spite of your tack, you know, and until yeah. you feel that free moment of like, this fits the horse and this fits me. And it is like the connecting piece between the two of us. And when that's right, like you say, like, there's just not another better feeling in the world. So I mean, yeah. I thank you for being our official saddle fitter and 
um, one of the ladies I really look up to in my life and, and I'm so grateful for our friendship and our relationship. Me and, and me as well, me as well. I think you set a, a wonderful standard for people. And I think that, um, I think you kind of, as you enlighten them during your lessons, you also inspire people. And the inspiration of this is, is so important to keep people out there that are way out there knowing that there's someone there that's going to help them and someone that can help them. And it's been your team Tate Academy has just been incredible for so many people. I hear it all over the country. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad the, I'm glad the word's out and you should tell your friends. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's surprisingly really just become uh, one of the loves of my life. So I, I was, I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I, I don't think I would have done it if COVID didn't come along. So I'm kind of grateful for that hardship uh, that we all faced, but we came out the other end better for it. So I'm grateful. Yes. And thank you so much for joining us today, Debbie. Yes. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my podcast, Dressage Life with JJ Tate. Don't forget to subscribe. And we would love it if you would share this with other dressage riders and they can find us wherever they get their podcasts. Do you have a topic request, question, or some feedback? Please email us at teamtatedressage at gmail.com. Thanks for joining and make it a great day.